As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. This is Thursday night, and tonight I'm here with Sister Renner and Paul Renner. Hey, guys. Hi, Rick. Welcome, Home Group. Have you enjoyed this this week? I've so enjoyed this. I just enjoy being with you, Rick, and you, Paul. It's just so much fun. Really, our home group. I know. And so many people are with us, and we want to say thank you for being with us. Mr. Renner, hi. Thank you, Mama. You are very enjoyable. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us. It's a lot of fun to sit down and talk about the Word of God. And when we're here on the set doing a home group, we actually don't quite know where the conversation will go sometimes. <laughs> and it's quite fun. I mean, it just leads in directions that we didn't, we didn't foresee. And uh, a lot of times it's the Holy Spirit leading us to talk about things. Well, that's what happens in a home group. Yes. And Jesus is with us. He Amen. said, if two or three of you are gathered, I'll be there. Well, there's three of us and a lot of people with us. And you know, I'm so glad Jesus didn't say you had to be in one room. He just said you have to be together. He's here, he's there, he's with us. Mm -hmm. But hey, we want you to get the download that is free. And it's called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is so good and it's free. And we're offering you right now the whole series by the same title. I really poured myself into this. If you have the earlier version that's only five parts, well, that's not the same. This is a 10-part revised series. Order it. And be sure to get the book. And Paul, after we're through on Friday night, I'm going to give you this book. Thank you. I want you to read this book. I will. And I want to remind to you again, remind you again about Tony Cook's book called Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History. This will just thrill you to see God has consistently, miraculously worked through 2,000 years of church history. It is remarkable. But guess what we're going to see tonight, dear friends? what the Bible means when it says we're supposed to do all things decently and in order. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, everybody has a different opinion about what is decent and in order. I like what you said in the home group yesterday, do all things. Do all things. We get stuck on the decently and in order part, but it's, we're supposed to do all things. Oh, would you read that verse? 1 yes. Corinthians 14. Verse 26, or Denise, do you have your Bible open? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Would you read that? How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. He did not say, tone it down. This is a little out of control. That's probably what people would say today. This is just too many spiritual manifestations. Get a grip on it. Just tone it down. He didn't say that. He said all things must be done. We are to accommodate any conspicuous work of the Holy Spirit. And he said it should be done unto edifying. And just before home group started tonight, Paul and I were talking again about that word edifying. Mm -hmm. An architectural term. Mm -hmm. It means to enlarge to improve, which means if you let the gifts of the Holy Spirit work, they will enlarge you spiritually. They will enlarge your capacity. They will leave you in an improved condition. But expanding a house architecturally, it shouldn't be done haphazardly. Have you ever seen a house that somebody built with no plan? 
We pass one every time we drive home here in Moscow. Yeah, I, <laughs> I passed it this morning on your way here. It looks like a mess. Oh my gosh. I look at that house and I think, what were they thinking? Well, they weren't thinking. It's like they started and then they continued and then they stopped and then they did something else. And it looks like a house that was built by different people at different times. <laughs> and it's not finished either. I mean, it even has a tower. And the tower is so weird where they put it. I don't even know if there's a staircase that can get to it. Yes. It's just a hodgepodge of different ideas. That's not the way that we should build. Mm -hmm. God wants us to be intentional about the way we do our church services. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have a plan, but our plan should make room for the Holy Spirit to operate. Mm -hmm. And Paul says, you can do it all. Let it all be done unto edifying. If you do it all, do it intentionally and do it correctly. It will leave you in a better condition. Yes. And when you come to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, Denise, would you read it? Mm -hmm. Let all things be done decently and in order. Read the verse before that. Okay. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Then he says, next verse. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, the problem is everybody has a different opinion about what is decently and in order. For example, if you grew up like us, we were Baptists and we're very grateful for that. We had an order in our service. It was very predictable. We came in, we're going to sing probably three hymns and three stanzas of every hymn. Then there's going to be a sermon. We had an order in our service. It, our services were very, very predictable. One service to the next. The only thing that changed really was the message and the song. We even have everything printed beforehand. There was an order, what we thought was decently and in order. But if you grew up in an assembly of God church back in those days, you wouldn't have liked our church. You would have thought that our church was stuffy because the assemblies of God had a different sense of what was decently and in order. They yelled, they screamed, they ran, and for them that was totally normal. And in fact, if they didn't have that in their services, they thought there was something wrong with their services. They had a different order. They had a different experience. If you went to a Methodist church, even though we Baptists were structured, we would have thought that the Methodists were really dead. Ay, ay, ay. Or Episcopalians. Ay, how boring. How could anybody? To us, that was just like there was nothing going on there. Or Catholic churches, they have a totally different order. Or Orthodox, that's a whole different order. So what you think is right and wrong is greatly influenced by your background. Okay. But when we talk about church, the conversation could get religious very quickly. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Because there's reasons for churches. There's reasons churches do things a certain way. Right. And, and they, have, they have biblical background or they have a cultural background for doing things the, the way they do things a certain way. But if you talk about families, you go to an Italian family, everyone's loud. Yeah. Every, every, I mean, mostly. And maybe, that's normal. But that's going to be normal. I, I was in, oh, where was I? I, I, I forgot where, I, a Greek family. I, I, was, I, I, was, I was on vacation 
uh, and there was a, a bakery on the first floor, and Grandpa and Grandma lived on the second floor. And the daughter came in with the grandchildren, and all of a sudden, everybody got loud. It was obviously that family came in. And the, grand, the daughter left the grandchildren there in the bakery and just walked out. I mean, she just went and she was like, you know, and they, and they, and they were talking to each other. And it was, I mean, you knew what was going on. The daughter was leaving, leaving the grandchildren with the grandparents while she went to do business. And the grandmother took the kids upstairs. I mean, it, it was loud. It was entertaining. That was the way they do things. But in another family, it was like, you, this is the business. Please come in through the back door. And don't distract the customers. Don't run in the house. That would have been normal in a different family. There are different ways to do things in different families. Well, one time mom and I had dinner with an Italian family. I will never forget it. Oh my goodness. First of all, they were all enormous people. And they ate food. I have never seen so such massive servings of food. And they didn't talk. They all screamed at each other. And mom and I sat in our seats and we literally laughed the entire time because it was just their normal life. That was just the way they did it. We were from a very different background. And Rick, to be politically correct, I think we've already passed that line, but I just, <laughs> just want to say we love Italians. And we love and, big people. And we loved being in their home. Oh my goodness, they were so marvelous. It was wonderful. They were full of life. The point is, there's a lot of variety. Yes. yes. And just because you're from one place that did it one way doesn't mean that's always the right way. But this really affects what people think about church. This is fun. Uh-huh. Because if you're from a Baptist background, then if things get a little loud, then you might think it's a little rowdy. If you are from a Pentecostal church and nothing ever happens in the service, you just might think that it's dead. But to somebody from a Baptist background or a Methodist background, that's the way it ought to be. Some people like it quiet. Some people like it loud. So if you have this conversation about what is right and wrong, what is decent and in order, you're going to hear a lot of different answers. So what does the Bible mean? Well, that's what we're going to find out. Will you tell us? I will. Let's look at it. <laughs> what does the Bible mean when it says to do everything decently and in order? And what you're going to find out is it can mean be quiet. It can mean scream your head off. It can mean sit in your chair. It can mean run around the room. It means all kinds of things. Listen to what the Greek means. Okay, you guys ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, let me turn to my place. First of all, the word decently is the word which really means to do something respectfully or honorably. <clears throat> something done properly as opposed to improperly. Isn't that amazing? Properly as opposed to improperly. And it carries the idea of being polite, not rude, not uncivilized, not coarse. Now, you can be wild and very reverent and polite at the same time. You can be very quiet and be arrogant and full of pride. It's about heart. It's about heart. Not being rude, but being decent. It really means to be decent. And Rick, you to can be, be very quiet. You can be very quiet. And it's just the most reverent thing that you can give to God. So there's all kinds of manifestations 
But sometimes charismatics, and of course I'm proud to be a charismatic, but we kind of take liberty to do anything we want to do because we feel like the Holy Spirit's led us to do it, whether it's rude or... I'll give you an example. One time I was horribly, horribly sunburned. I mean, just severely sunburned. And I was ministering in a church, and a woman came up to me and she said, I feel bad to pray for you. I thought, well, well, all right. She said, I'm just going to do what the Lord's told me to do. She hauled off and slapped the living daylights out of me to impart healing to me. I was so sunburned. When that woman hit me, I wanted to hit her right back. (laughs) That was not the Holy Spirit telling her to slap me. But she just thought she could do anything. That, That just wasn't right. Didn't show respect to me. And moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit doesn't give you the right to be rude. It does not. The Holy Spirit is respectful. It's talking about doing things respectfully. So if you're told to pray for somebody, you can do it respectfully. If you're told to run around the room, you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do, but do it respectfully of others. Don't make other people do what you want to do. There's honor. There's respect. There's a properness. And that's really what Paul's talking about. He's talking about attitude. He's talking about attitude. And then he says to do things decently and in order. What does that word order mean? Well, we're renters. I was raised in a family filled with order. And if you ever come to our home, our home is filled with order. Our life is filled with order. We lack order. But it doesn't mean that our order is always the right order. It's just our order. Everybody has a different order. But the word order, the Greek word taxes, listen to this describes something that is done in a fitting way or something that is carried out to order. I'm going to read this to you. It is the very word used by the Jewish historian Josephus to depict the orderly way in which the Roman army erected their camps, indicating that their camps were orderly, organized, well-planned, and not hastily thrown together. The commanders did not engage in last-minute planning. They had their troops set up in an organized and thoughtful manner. And the same word was used by Josephus to describe the way the Essene Jews carried out their lives and how they were respectful of others. Those Jews would wait until others were finished speaking before they take their turn to speak out. They didn't interrupt with each other So the word order, the Greek word taxes, depicts people that were respectful, deferential, courteous, accommodating, well-mannered, and polite. I think that's amazing. So if you're going to really translate 1 Corinthians 14.40 correctly, here's the RIV. Let everything be done in a respectful, fitting, and proper manner that is organized well-planned, well-mannered, and polite. You can have a wild service and fulfill all of that. Mm -hmm. You can have a quiet service and fulfill all of that. Decently in order has nothing to do with momentum, has nothing to do with noise, has nothing to do with silence, has nothing to do with commotion. It all has to do with your intention. Mm -hmm. And Rick, when you're speaking right now, I'm thinking about the law of love, that you, you prefer one another. It's, it's out of a heart of love 
that you are you serve. So an attitude should be of a, of a serving, of a loving people. That's why between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Paul inserted the whole chapter on love, love. the whole good. thing on love. That's good, Rick. Look at it. He said this in chapter 13, verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, mm-hmm. I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I remove all faith so I could remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. He's not downplaying the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's just saying you got to do it in love. And when you do it in love, you do it in a respectful, polite way. Rick, I remember so well growing up. They went right to the scripture. Always to diminish the gifts. Absolutely. Okay, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14 and go back to verse 26 again. And you're going to see that this word taxes, doing things decently and in order, where the Essene Jews wouldn't interrupt each other, where they were always polite and deferential. Paul's saying, be polite, be nice. When you move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can be nice. It doesn't give you license to be rude. So here's what he says. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying, unto the increasing of the church. And then he begins to describe what is decent and in order. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpreter. You know what that means? Let me interpret that for you. Take turns. You don't have to interrupt. It's what do you say to children? Guys, take turns. Well, in the church of Corinth, there were people who said, I just can't control myself. I just have to give it right now. And so they were screaming, trying to drown out the other person who was speaking. <laughs> and Paul is literally saying, boys and girls, we can take turns. He's not talking about that it's wrong for a lot of gifts. Just do it nicely. Be nice. Verse 28, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Then in verse 29, let the prophet speak two or three. Let the others judge. Look at this. If anything be revealed to another that saith by let the first hold his peace. In other words, the first one will eventually stop. There'll be time for you to talk. You don't have to scream out and try to drown out the other person. <laughs> Verse 31, for you may all prophesy one by one. And notice he says that you may learn, which means there's an intelligent aspect of this, and that all may be comforted. Verse 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Don't use the Holy Spirit as your excuse for just losing control. Then he says, and the spirits of the subject are, of the prophets are subject to the prophets, verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Paul never says, tone it down. He never says, stop it. He never says it's too much. He says, guys, take turns. <laughs> Be deferential of other people. Don't do what's rude. And I think that when you move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that you need to obey the Lord, what the Lord tells you to do, and you need to do it in the best way possible to be respectful of other people. And if you want an example, look at the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was not rude. 
Jesus never lost control and said, I just can't control myself. And Jesus operated in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't find one case in the book of Acts where an apostle says, <coughs> I just can't control myself. It's not true. It's not true. You can control yourself. Many times in our own church, somebody will say, I have a word of prophecy. I'll say, you know what? You just need to wait a moment. It's not time for it yet. Remember the word decently? Describe the way the Romans set up their camps in an orderly way. There is an order. You just need to find the right order for your church. And every order, every church can have a different right and wrong. Just like Paul said, every house has this. You come to my house, we have one rule. Mm -hmm. You go to another house, there's another rule. And guess who usually sets the rules? The dad. Yeah. And likewise, in every church, the pastor has to decide what is the right order for his church. The next church may have a different order. For that reason, when Denise and I travel, I always say to Denise, don't, don't do anything supernatural in this church until I talk to the pastor. Let's, let's find out what is the way that he does things in his church because sometimes the pastor's not open and if we do something that he's not open to, we're violating his authority. It's not right. It's his house. If we go to a church where they're wide open, then we know that we're free to do what we want to do. So you have to find out what is the order in every house and the Bible doesn't give the specific order. It just tells you the attitude and the intention that you are to have mm -hmm. to do things in a decent and orderly way. And I want to read the RIV one more time. Here it is. Let everything be done in a respectful, fitting, and proper manner that is organized, well-planned, well-mannered, and polite. Please the don't, Holy Spirit can do all of that. Please don't be put off if someone tries to tell you that that's not the way things are done here. I was speaking to a woman on Sunday. She was very upset. Uh, she, she was in a home group setting. And the other leaders in the room, it was a, it was a group of leaders, different home group leaders. They had to tell her to, to tone it down. If that's not the way things are done, please wait until it's your turn to speak. She had to be pretty out of control because in our church, people are pretty free. Yes. Well, she was speaking out of turn and she was speaking on the wrong subject. Like, that's not what we're talking about right now. Please, let's get back to the subject. And, uh, and after she was corrected, she came to me and said, I just don't understand. Should I wait until they kick me out or should I leave? And then I said, I can't answer that question. I don't know what happened. Oh, you, you don't know. Uh, they told me to leave. Uh, I said, well, I don't know. Later, I spoke to the home group leader that was actually leading the meeting. And the situation was not nearly as dramatic as the person that was corrected felt. Not nearly as dramatic. And she was actually speaking out of turn and she was kind of, you know, manipulating the situation. So if you are corrected at some point, please don't take it too personally. Maybe you should be corrected and maybe you are out of line, but take time to learn what is in line and where you are supposed to speak. When we first began our church, we were meeting at the Hotel Russia right on Red Square. Mm -hmm. Church was brand new, lots of new people. People didn't know what was right. People didn't know what was wrong. And do you guys remember we had a little woman who really was a prophetess 
And she just blurted out in tongues. And I mean, she just went on and on and at a, right in the middle of my message. Right in the middle while I was like teaching the Bible. And I said to her, stop it. Stop it now. And she came to me afterwards and she said, you mean that I can wait until the right moment to do that? I said, yes. I said, I would have made room for that. But to do it during the message was not appropriate. It was rude. She said, I never knew I could control it. I thought that I just had to blurt it out when I felt it. I said, no, God's not a God of confusion. The point is, you can do it all. You just have to do it right. You can take turns. That's what Paul basically said. That was his, if you really want to interpret what Paul said to the Corinthians, it was boys and girls, let's take turns. Denise? Well, I just want to say, you know, when you step out and you're trying to move in the Holy Spirit, you're trying to hear Him, you might make mistakes. That's okay. You probably will make mistakes. But but that does if you're making mistakes, that means you're doing something. That's right. If you're just sitting there and just going, no, that's probably not God. Okay, if they sing one more verse, then I'm going to give that word. Okay, Lord, one more verse. Okay, if the pastor stands up and says, amen, three times, I'll stand up and give this word. If you do that, you're, you're just squelching what it is the Holy Spirit wants to bring. But if you make a mistake, bravo. And because you know, because it means you're doing something. And if you have a pastor that really loves God and wants to move into the Holy Spirit, he'll be proud of you even for making a mistake. I'm always so glad when anybody tries, even if they do it wrong, praise God, they're trying. I made lots of mistakes when I was learning. A child doesn't walk without falling. Anyway, we're out of time. When we come back tomorrow night, I'm going to answer the question, was the church of Corinth a pattern or was it really an anomaly? It's going to be good. Go to bed, sleep. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.